from Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions. I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. So, Doctor, today we're going to talk about something I think I have, okay? Uh, I think many people are suffering from, uh, and it's one of your favorite topics, it's uh, something called COVID psych brain. What the heck is COVID psych brain? Well, you're right, Linda. This is uh, one of my uh, favorite topics. I've seen this so much now in my practice. I mean, almost 90% of us are suffering from this. That 90%? Means it could, that could be you or me too, okay? I studied some psychiatry literature about what happened in the pandemic of 1918, you know, the Spanish flu. Right. What happened is 40% of the people had chronic post-traumatic stress syndrome. And what did that look like, like in today's world? Because, you know, humans haven't changed a lot. You know, we're very consistent. So although it's a hundred years, still humans, still same kind of stuff. So what happened to people there? So what happened was I, looked to the literature and I saw things happening in my practice because we've been locked down for like a year it's been, and they're suffering from today's post-traumatic stress syndrome. And that's COVID psych brain. Yeah. You love saying that COVID I, psych brain, you know, getting back to people suffering a lot. Um, the virus outbreak triggered a second epidemic and a cord and that was mental illness. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, they found that 56% of adults have had mental health issues linked to the pandemic. So you're saying COVID psych brain is one of those mental illness phenomena that's, that's been happening to many of us. So explain why that is. Why does this happen? And what does it look like? How do I know if I have it? Although I do know I I have it. I'm positive I have it. <laughs> well, look, um, it's brawn comes from an uncertainty and anxiety and worry about what's what's going to be happening because our brains aren't used to something so new, something we we haven't seen before. So we develop some anxiety since symptoms. And I'm going to enumerate these symptoms, and it's kind of like universal. I came up with four signs and symptoms here. Oh, I just wanted to say one thing is that um, I think we should make it very clear from the beginning is that COVID psych brain isn't necessarily something that happens to people when they have the virus. Oh, very important, Linda. You know, so look, if you're going to turn this off because you think, well, I didn't have the virus, I don't have this thing. Uh-uh. Most of the people that I saw in my practice didn't have the virus and they had COVID psych brain and certainly people who had the virus have it too. And it has to do with really being lonely, isolated, uncertain, locked up. You can't touch people. You can't see people. You can't be with people. Uh, So we've lost some real human contact. And with that has become like an associated anxiety disorder, COVID psych brain. 
I, I talk to a lot of people in my practice about it, okay? And I, I go through the symptoms and, and I say COVID cycling. And then people laugh. I knew I had something. Every My friend has it. My mother has it. And it probably go away, right? It could go away, I said. Good. Okay. Because these are the symptoms, Linda. Okay, you ready? I'm first, ready. Okay. First, anxious, worried, nervous. I mean, just kind of like on edge, you know. Then, no, that's number one. Number two, do not sleep well. Poor quality of sleep. I mean, we're talking when you wake up, you're not rested. Um, you're up a little bit in the night. You can't fall asleep. You can't. You, you wake up early. You wake up sleep too much, but not rested. Then not motivated. Outside of structured activities, people can't get anything done. I, I mean, you talk to people. Well, I want to do nothing. Uh, okay, I hear that a lot. Then the last and really the most frequent is like fuzzy brain. Just you go into a room. Why did I come in here? Or you can't remember words. You have trouble even finding places. Uh, so your spatial orientation is off. So um, a, a lot of people have it. You know, the, a lot of people in the same boat. You know, I I have that fuzzy brain thing where I go into a room going, what was I coming in? But the worst part is. I'm in a conversation and then all of a sudden I'll look at the person going, what were, what were we just talking about? That is so annoying because at my age, I'm thinking I have early Alzheimer's. It's very distressing. Good point. A lot of my older patients really are talking and not older. I mean, maybe 50s, 60s, 70s, the same thing. And that's why they're relieved to see that maybe it has to do with a, some symptom of the virus and what it's leaving us with in mental health terms. Well, how do we know this isn't permanent? Because we've only been dealing with this for a year. I mean, have you seen patients come out before we talk about how to get out of it? Oh, I mean, yeah. How do we know this is not permanent? Uh, well, you know, I think it's a functional disorder, so therefore it's not an organic change. And that means some of your biochemistry can really kind of change back and your mental set can change back. And uh, this is certainly treatable, recoverable, but it's going to take some time. And look, you know, Linda, when we, we studied some, uh, some of the literature, they talked about these people were mad, quote unquote. They called them mad. You know, they lived people in, in houses that have radios. They didn't have anything. They were isolated, alone. This is 1918. 1918. But now, even though we got all the good stuff, you know, we're still alone and isolated in the house. Can't see your relatives, no holidays. So this is our brain on overload trying to rewire itself to a situation in which has never existed before in our lifetime. And therefore, as our brain is just trying to recompute, we're getting fuzzy, we're getting anxious, and all these things are happening. So you're about to tell us how to do a few things, a couple of takeaways to maybe relieve these symptoms. But when the pandemic goes away, will our, our brain will just go back to happy-go-lucky? Uh, well, uh, you know, in the pandemic of 19... 
18. No one talked about it for 10 years. You weren't allowed. Nobody was. Nobody talked about it. So when it ended now, people still were filled with mistrust and some communities did very well. Some did poorly. I mean, so um, it you know depends upon how resilient, you know, each individual is on how we're going to see a comeback. All right. So being that I definitely have the fuzzy brain, what what do we do? Because, I mean, let's face it. Let's say this is not gone for another six months or a year. I mean, I've got to get going. Everybody's got to get going. I don't want to be walking around going, why am I in this room? What was I trying to get? How do I get my senses back? Okay. Well, first you got to know you have it. Okay. So we've identified that you may have it. Okay. So that, and you want to do something about it and you want to have a positive outcome. Okay. So I preach, you know, this like the three R's. Okay. And in the three R's, the first one is resilience. Okay. That means, you know, you get back to your exercise, eating well, trying to sleep in a routine, sleep hygiene, all that kind of stuff. Don't overdo anything, you know, so all the resilient stuff. Okay. That's then get yourself in a routine. Okay. Of a positive mental set routine, you know, that works for you and certainly get back into some relationships and outside the house too with safety, you know, but you can still do it. And look, if all else fails, you know, a lot of people with anxiety disorders do very well with a combination of some therapy and med management. So I help a bunch of people in that way, too. So if this fails, then get some some professional help. It works. I may be getting professional help if I don't come out of my my fuzzy coma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people have that. You know, fuzzy is a good word, I think, for the fourth one about that's cognitive dysfunction. Yeah, you, you know, and look, good to, to know that you know, this could is going to end and your brain is not like damaged or dementia. It's going to get better. And maybe because we were fuzzy the whole time, we'll just forget about that whole bad year. It'll be like a bad dream. We'll just forget well, it ever happened. Well, you know, I think uh, all people are going to have to deal with it in their own way, uh, but uh, certainly putting it in perspective and aside when we do get back will really help and like moving on. Let's move on. And speaking of moving on, we're going to move on to our next subject. And our next subject kind of has to do with not fuzzy brain, but anxiety, because anxiety brings on fear. Or I should say fear brings on anxiety. And so what is the anecdote to anxiety when you have to do something you're a little scared of or extremely scared of? And that is got to muster up the courage. Courage is the anecdote. So I was reading that there are two types of fears. Okay, this is interesting. And then there's there's one that that puts you in physical danger. You know, like, for example, you're standing in the middle of a busy road and you have the fear of being hit by a car. Okay. And then there's just the fear of um, our ego in danger. And that would be like the fear of public speaking. Well, in modern society, the first fear rarely happens, right? You're not going to be eaten by a dinosaur. The fear of uh, ego happens all the time. Like, I'm going into a new situation. Are people going to like me? 
Should I do that new job? Maybe I'm not going to be good at it, right? So you have to muster up that courage. Let's talk about how do you boost your courage against fear? Explain courage and and how do we tap into it? You know, courage really could just be a positive mental attitude, a positive mindset. Like, I know I can do this. So it could be nothing more than having some kind of positive mental set. Now, first, you know, when you want to approach any situation, identify what the fear is. Understand it. Because fears could be irrational. Identify the fear. You know, whether a job, marriage, whatever it is. Then... You know, you got to find ways to conquer it. Okay. Now people have uh, mentors, they journal. You need some positive affirmations like, oh, I've gone to this before. I know I can do it. In other words, another, again, positive you know, affirmations. Okay. For yourself. Then maybe just kind of calm yourself down, like kind of meditate, you know, get um, the, uh, and yourself into overcoming it. Talk to yourself. Well, you know, part of that, I think, doctor, if I can butt in for a second, yeah, is breathing, yeah. breathing, because what happens when we're scared is we forget to breathe or our breathing becomes very shallow. It's part of the fight or flight thing. And I think, you know, I've read that when you breathe, really take a deep breath. It signals to our brain that everything is OK. So if you're really having that anxiety and you're mustering up that courage, just calm down. And just your first step should be breathe. Yeah, you know, I agree with you totally. You see it even in the movies. You know, somebody's real nervous. Somebody will say, just take a deep breath. Right. It's in the movies, right? No, it is absolutely, you know, and that's meditative in itself. And you self-talk to yourself, you know, that you're going to be good. And, you know, Linda, it's really important to kind of practice some of your skills, so you develop self-confidence in, in yourself, you know, that you prepare and you're well prepared and uh, you're uh, re- you're feeling good. You know, I have to remind myself, too, that someone told me this. I really have to look this up, but something like 95 percent of everything that you're ever worried about never happens. So we worry too much and we have to remind ourselves in the past that, you know, Linda, you're so worried about that one thing, but you have to remember that most of which you're worried about never comes to fruition. I, I think that's some of that self-talk, you know, that I was saying that, you know, be able to talk to yourself. Hey, look, you know, you've done this before. You, you think about a good outcome. You're very positive and your own best friends and you're not beating yourself up and you go in there feeling strong. I think a lot of what you're talking about is self-talk, self-talk, right? You, you, Absolutely. Self-talk. You have to learn. First of all, in order to listen to yourself, you have to like yourself. Yeah. Because if you don't like yourself and this person saying. <laughs> you're not listening. Okay, right. You're going to be like, oh, shut up. You don't know anything. <laughs> See, with me, if I'm like, okay, I got to go up and I got to talk to that person because I've got to ask them for favor, let's say, for a job or something. And I'm like, no, no, you know. Then this other voice takes over and says, you can do it. <laughs> you That's better it. do it now. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, okay, I better go. You know, I mean, you, you have to sometimes get really strong with yourself. And yeah, just- well, you know, 
some of that is like the old parent in us, you know, right. that said those things. And if you had good parents and they told you those things and you and you're listening to them, you know, in your head, that really works. You're right. You have to become the parent because my dad used to always say when I was scared of something, let's say I was in a ski race. He'd be like, you're a Corley and Corleys don't back down. And then I'd oh. say to myself, I'm a Corley. I don't back down. And, so, oh, and I would was... do it, you know, but I, you know, still even years after my father passed away, that that saying comes back and that gets me off the diving board, so to speak. And that brings me up to take the plunge. Just go do it, because studies show the longer you wait, the less likely that action is going to happen. Yeah, because, you know, that's that sitting on the fence stuff, you, you know, that right. you're not going to take action. Uh, don't like just be ambivalent and procrastinate. Go do it. Just do it. Just, just do, it. do it. Just do it. All right. Well, speaking of just doing it, we got to get on with our week and we will. A lot of lot of good things that you've told me today and told all of us. Uh, great tips about how to muster up that courage. And how do you know if you have COVID psych brain? COVID psych brain. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave everyone with that if they remember COVID psych brain. And if you don't, yes. that means you have it. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, we'll we'll talk next week. A lot of other great topics await us. Okay. Take care, Linda. Bye-bye. Talk to you later. Take care. From Bregman, MD, you've been listening to the latest episode of The Breakdown with Dr. B. If you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists, just head to our website at BregmanMD.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.